Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Well, today's just a really unique moment to minister today. I want to make sure that, that your attention is focused on what God's going to do these next few minutes. You know, I, I typically uh, teach you and, and, and speak to you out of series. I, I found that to be effective because it allows me to really develop uh, a concept that allows me to uh, really keep us focused for a period of time so we hear what God is saying, so we are able to see the real context and the content uh, of the message. And so series, I think, are, for me, I, I think the best way for me to teach us and move us uh, in the direction God wants us to go. Today's an unusual day in, in that I, I ended one series last week, Fresh Fire. I pray there's a new hunger in all of us for fresh fire. Now, just because we step out of the series doesn't mean that we moved out of what that did for us. Amen. We, we are hungry for fresh fire. How many say, Pastor, I want fresh fire in my life? Absolutely. I'm going to begin a new series next week simply called 242. And uh, it, it's going to be powerful. I'm excited about it. But today, today is, is a unique pivot point. I believe not only between series, but uh, I believe today, I said it earlier, is a divine appointment for every one of us. Everyone on site, everyone online. Today is a, a point you may not have foreseen when the Holy Spirit intersects the trajectory of your life and shifts it into a God direction. How many can say amen to that? Uh, I believe today some doors that have never opened to you are going to start opening today. I believe some doors that should have been closed a long time ago are going to be closed today in the name of Jesus. Is everybody with me? In fact, the more I got into this, the, 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 uh, the more I wrestled with, oh, come on, this is too much for one day. So we may come back and revisit this. But I'm going to share it today. I, I believe that there, there are people, many that, that believe in the Lord. And I believe there are some people here today by divine appointment, on site, online. And maybe you're a believer. Maybe you're struggling with your faith. Why? Because I meet people too often that feel they're just too far from God, too far away. People who said, I've waited too long. I meet people too often and they say, you know, pastor, I'm just too wounded and broken to ever be whole again. I let go of my dreams. I let go of my hope. I'm just too broken to believe I could ever be whole. I meet people far too often who, who just have been so damaged by life that they've forgotten the goodness of God. And I understand that. It's been so long since you had joy and celebration that his goodness has slipped out of your awareness. So the message is for that, for that today. It's today, what we're going to study and see, and, and not just study from an intellectual point of view, but connect on a spiritual level. Today, what's going to impact us is, I say it like this, sometimes God's grace, God's goodness, God's mercy just has to be illustrated or demonstrated to understand. It's so good, we might miss it if it isn't demonstrated. How many can say amen to that? 
So how many want to hear this message today? How many want to hear what's going on? Well, I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter. I'm going to pull a, a, a real account out of Scripture. We're going to look at this today. This, this is not just a, uh, a fairy tale or a myth. This actually took place. And it is such a vivid illustration of the mercy and the goodness and the grace of God. The power to heal and restore and, and, and change the direction of a life. It's, it's, it's amazing. We're, we're going to, maybe we don't preach about this very much because we can't pronounce the man's name. But let's read. I'm going to read. I want you to read through the account with me. And then we're, we're going to apply it to our lives today. 2 Samuel 9 and verse number 1. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? We'll come back to that in a moment. Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba, your servant? He replied. The king asked, is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness. Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both his feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makir, son of Emil in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Makir, son of Emil. Now here's his name. Thank God I haven't known any kids named this at Calvary. When Mephibosheth, say that three times fast. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said to Mephibosheth, uh, David said, Mephibosheth, he replied, your servant. What did David say to him? Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belongs to your grandfather Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's son. Incredible account. But I need to make sure you understand how really incredible this is. You see, we read in verse 1, he says, this whole incident, this whole uh, incredible encounter begins because of a covenant. Would you hear that word? A covenant, a friendship, a relationship. He says, is there anyone still left? Now, David has become the king. His enemies have been defeated. The nation has been united. 
His throne is firmly established. He has no viable enemies. There are no threats to him. Do you understand? He is at the pinnacle of his kingship. All is well. And yet, because of a covenant, David says, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? You see, there was something there that had happened between these two men. Saul was the first king of Israel. You know that. Saul's son was Jonathan. Jonathan and David became close friends. Even when Saul lost the anointing of God on his life. Even when Saul was, was re, uh, I guess you would say, rejected by God as king. Jonathan continued to have a friendship with David. Even when his father Saul tried to kill David, Jonathan said, I know God's hand is on you. I recognize that you will be the next king. Now, I want you to get this. Jonathan was the one in line. But Jonathan said, I see the hand of God on you. I know that you'll be the next king. And he said to David, make a covenant with me. Make a promise to me that you'll always be kind to me and my family. That you'll never turn your heart away from me. And David made that covenant. And so we fast forward to 2 Samuel 9 and, and, and we see that a covenant wants this. Now I want you to think about Mephibosheth for a moment. He was Jonathan's son. Mephibosheth was born into royalty. The beginning of his life was everything you could dream of in a fairy tale. His grandfather Saul was the first king Israel had ever had. His grandfather Saul's oldest son was Jonathan, heir to the throne. Jonathan's firstborn son was Mephibosheth. He also was in line to the throne. Born to royalty, living in a palace. His future established. Everything was set for Mephibosheth. No child could have started a life any better. But in one day... See, sometimes we are prone to feel the devil loves to tell you when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. When you're struggling with a hard time, the devil likes to tell you nobody knows what it's like. Nobody knows what you're going through. God doesn't know who you are. God forgot you. Your problem's so extreme, God must have turned his back on you. But we're going to see today there's nothing too hard for the Lord to do. Failure around you in every place doesn't negate the ability of God to keep his word. In one day, think of the shock in that child's life. In one day, Mephibosheth lost everything. His world crashed in a day. Saul led the army of Israel into an ill-advised battle. The hand of God was off of them because of Saul's leaving the presence of God. And in that battle, Saul was killed. In that battle, Jonathan was killed. In that battle, Mephibosheth lost his grandfather, his father, and his uncles. His nursemaid, his, his nanny, we might say in our uh, terminology today, knew that in that political atmosphere, in that day and time, if one king died, usually the succeeding king killed all the heirs. Of the previous one 
to establish his throne. And so in an effort to save Mephibosheth's life, the, the, the servant grabbed him and began to run for their lives full of fear, consumed by fear. She's running to save him. She trips, she falls, she drops him. His feet are both crippled. In one day, he loses his family. He loses his home. He loses his future. He lost his ability to walk. Someone dropped him. He was wounded. He lost everything in that single day. Someone was running in fear and dropped this boy. He was now wounded by a fall. Have you ever had a place in your life where someone dropped you? Where someone wounded you? It wasn't Mephibosheth's fault. It wasn't a choice he made. It wasn't something he saw coming. He was wounded by someone else. Maybe someone's wounded you and they didn't intend to wound you. You know what I've discovered in life? Wounded people wound people. Hurt people hurt people. She's running. But you have to understand, when you begin to be driven by fear, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to run in some wrong direction. You're going to trip and fall, and you're going to hurt some people around you. This young boy was wounded. He was, he was crippled. He, he was only five years old, and he, he was wounded by what fear does. See, he, by the time we get to 2 Kings 9, he'd been wounded for a long time. He'd been living in this condition for a long time. Years had elapsed. And he had taken on a wounded identity. How many heard what I just said? He now was living with a wounded identity. I've become convinced in my years of pastoring, and I've had a few now, in my years of praying with people and counseling people, that the deepest wound you'll ever have is not the one I can see. It's the one I can't see. It's the wound you see when you look at yourself in the mirror. It's the wound you see that doesn't appear physically, but it's an identity we take on because of what other people have done to us. See, Mephibosheth was born into royalty, but by the time we find him in 2 Samuel chapter 9, his self-esteem, his identity was so wounded when he came before the king, he said, I'm a dog. I'm a dead dog. My concept, my identity, my sense of who I am, my self-esteem is so shattered by what shattered me that, that, that I'm broken more on the inside than I am on the outside. See, we begin to cover it with all the wrong things. Are you with me? We, see, see uh, he was living in fear of King David. I want to help some people today. Listen to me closely. The person he feared the most, the king that had succeeded his grandfather, the one he thought would surely kill him if he ever found him, listen to me closely, the one he had run from all of his life, some of you that aren't serving God, listen to me today, the one he feared the most was the one who would hold the greatest blessing for him someday. I want to tell you that if you're running in fear from God, you're running from the greatest blessing that could come to you. If you think that God is out to get you, you need to reverse your course and start running toward him. If you have failed him and turned your back on him and been backslidden and your life's in a mess today, I have some good news for you. The one you need not fear is the God who's searching for you right now. And if you'll turn to him, 
you'll find out what Mephibosheth found at the hands of David. See, he lived in fear of the one who would someday bless him. Trapped in fear. A prisoner of fear. Isn't it strange? Every day he feared someone will find me. Every day he feared someone will discover me. Do you know that sometimes when life has wounded you, damaged you, broken you, listen to me. Do you know what? We feel like we can't tell anyone. Got to hide it. And you're carrying this wound inside of you. You're trying to deal with the pain and the wounding, and you're afraid to talk about it. You're afraid to say anything about it. Men, look me in the eyes today. You and I are the worst about that. Men are the worst. We don't know how to ask for help. We don't know how to let the wall down. We got to be tough, don't we? We got to, we got to make it happen. I try not to do it. I do it with my own little grandchildren. Judah falls down, skins her knee. I pick her up. I kiss her. I hold her. I say, come on, baby. It's okay. It's all right. Izzy falls down. I say, it's all right, dude. Get up. Come on. We're going to be fine. I mean, t- tell the truth. I had to be honest. Like, come on, buddy. You're good. Rub some dirt on it. Let's go on. Let's get going. She falls off her bicycle. We stop the parade. He falls off his bicycle. I say, climb back on. Come on. Don't, we're not stopping now. Let's get this thing done. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know if we're right or we're wrong, but it's a fact. And some of you men have been running around hiding a broken little boy all your life. And today we're going to close the door on that stuff and open a door for you to be the man of God you've always wanted to be. You see, you can't tell somebody. Grief and shame will imprison you. I can't tell anybody. I'm too ashamed. I have too much guilt. and, and, And you carry the guilt of someone else who dropped you. And so you say a prisoner of your fear. Anybody tracking along with me today? We, 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 we can't tell anyone. I, if, if I tell someone it's not going to work, if I get some help, it, it's, it's, I, I, what am I going to do? You see, and so we do what Mephibosheth did. We live in exile. We move away from the thing that could really help us. We, we circle around and we say if God is who he says he is and I shouldn't have been dropped. Don't shout me down. If God is who he says he is, I shouldn't be wounded. If God is a good God, why am I dropped? God didn't drop you. Somebody else dropped you. God's not the one who wounded you. Someone else wounded you. He's, he was wounded for you. He didn't wound you. He carried the wound for me. He didn't put it on me. If God wanted to wound you, he wouldn't have sent his son to the cross to take the stripes and the beating and the nails and the piercing. You and I have to understand the devil is a liar. And if he says to you today, you're wounded because God doesn't care. He's robbing you of the power of the cross. He's not the wounder. He's the wounded. And he knows how to help you in the middle of this stuff. We can't live any longer exiled away from the presence of God. He ran. He separated. He, he hid. He put himself in a place called Lodabar, a place of shame and hopelessness. He, he Lodabar, and, and, and I won't go through all this, but it's interesting, is, is on the east side of the Jordan River. He walked out of the promised land when he went into exile. 
And he went back over where Israel had lived before they entered into the promises of God. Anybody with me? When we exile ourselves from the presence of God, we walk off from the promise and we start living in a place we should have already conquered a long time ago. We go back to the battles we've already won. How many are listening to me today? There are too many people living in a place in a battle you've already won. Get out of that place. Don't go back in that room. You've already come out of that. Don't go back where you've been delivered. Don't go crawl back in the pig pen that God brought you out of. You are a promised land, child of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. It's not necessary to go exile yourself. You've been out of that. Do you know on the east side of the Jordan, there's slavery. On the west side of the Jordan, there's freedom, there's life, there's the goodness of God. He was exiled outside the promises of God. That word Lodabar's interesting word in the Hebrew, it, it has two connotations. One means no word. The other means no pasture. It wasn't a good place. What does it mean? When you and I exile ourselves, get over here in this far place, what's happening to us? No word. We have no knowledge anymore of what God is doing. We turn our back on the word. We, we lose our promise. I don't know about you, but if I'm having a hard time, the last place I need to put myself is away from the word of God, distance from the promises of God. It means no pasture. What does that mean? It means over here in exile, listen to me, it's dry. There's no provision. There's not enough to sustain me there. If I stay there, I'm dying. It's a worthless place. Anybody hear what I'm saying? So here's this young man who, who not of his own fault, just dropped and wounded and crippled in his feet and 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 and, and because of fear and, and and what people have told him see sometimes you have to take a moment in your life and, and do some inventory. Listen to me. Man, I feel this strong. You need to take some inventory. You've been exiled from the healing presence of God because you've listened to people more than you've listened to God. Someone has told you, you better run. You better hide. I'm going to tell you something. Don't run and don't hide. Let me help you. Don't circle yourself with other broken people and follow broken advice to live a broken life. You need to come out of a place of brokenness. Get out of Lodabar. Understand it's not the plan of God for you to be crippled and wounded and exiled. It's the will of God for you to come back to the place where God's called you to. I didn't tell you to start the message today, but my message is entitled, A Place at the Table. <laughs> a Place at the Table. We're going to get to that in just a minute. You see, we need to realize today that if David and Jonathan had a covenant, if that covenant was so strong between these two friends that, that, that David remembered and reached down and searched and found this son living in this terrible condition. If that covenant was that strong, I've got really, really, really good news for you and me today. 
and anybody who doesn't feel they're at the table, anybody who's been in exile, anybody who's been left wounded, I've got some really, really good news for you today. If the covenant of two men could produce this account, we have a covenant greater than Jonathan and David. We had a covenant sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ and no demon in hell, no work of man, no failure, no dropping, no wounding is greater than the blood of Jesus. Anybody with me right now? You, just like Mephibosheth, were created by God to be a child of the king. In your mother's womb, you were destined for royalty. Is anybody listening to me today? You're a son. You're a daughter. God destined you to live in the presence of God. But the same thing that happened to Mephibosheth happened to every one of us. What wounded him? There was a fall. What wounded you and me? There was a fall in the Garden of Eden. (laughs) Man fell. Sin reigned. And the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've missed it. Sin has wounded us. Affected the way we walk. Affected our ability to approach God. We, we, we by sin, listen to me, friend. We, we got to call sin what it is. You know, <clears throat> we're never going to get out of a place as long as I don't know what place I'm in. I'm never going to leave this place and go to that place unless I realize I don't have any business there. Unless I understand what it is. Sin wounded us. Sin damaged us. The fall of man in the garden when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and allowed Satan to usurp the place God had given man. We were wounded by that fall. We, we deal with the aftermath of that. Crippled, wounded, hurting. Why, pastor, if God loves me, how, how could I have been abused as a child? Because abused people abuse people. Wounded people wound people. Damaged people damage people. God's not the wounder. He's the wounded. We come to him. See, we, we were crippled in our relationships because of the fall. We don't know how to relate to each other because we're afraid that somebody will see I'm broken. And so instead of finding healing and restoration in Christ, we go to counterfeits and substitutes. We, we, we try to cover it. with. As men, we're macho and we're tough. And, and, and a man that's, that, that doesn't know what it's like to be set free, when his wife disagrees with him, he becomes insecure. He gets intimidated. And he tries to control her with the volume of his words. And when that doesn't work, he physically strikes her. Do you know why? Not because he's strong, because he's afraid. Because he's losing control. Because he's falling back to something that, 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 that is a defense mechanism as a result of being crippled. As a result of the fall, he's insecure and he's weak. And so he does that. Why? Because he hasn't been healed and he hasn't been restored. But when the grace of God enters into your life, when the healing of the Lord comes, when you find out there's a place at the table for me, I'm not rejected. I'm not exiled. I did that to myself. Can I give you some good news? If you exiled yourself, you have the same power to choose to come out of that exile and back into the presence of God. So too often, we're prisoners of fear, hiding, stuffing it down. Can't talk about it. No one can see. No one can know. But but 
just like David, just like David, he began to search. Is there anybody? Is there someone I can find? Someone greater than David searching for you and me. I love this verse. I love Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. This is what it says, Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. <laughs> you see, the Father turned to the Son before time began. He says, is there anyone I can show kindness to? Is there someone I can rescue out of that exile? Anybody thankful? Is there anybody that's broken and wounded and ripped up and torn up and, and, and put out in a far country? I'm going to send my son. And he's going to come to seek and to save those that are lost. Today, he's seeking us today. Are you thankful for that today? Before we even knew it, listen to me. Before you even knew it, grace was coming for us. Uh, Mephibosheth woke up that morning like he had every morning for years dreading I hope the king doesn't find me today when he heard a knock on the door his heart dropped in his feet he thought death was knocking but grace was knocking he had no idea that day that grace was coming to his house before he even knew about it he gets up and goes with the servant to meet the king He's frightened. He's afraid. He goes in before him. But I've got some good news for us. Just because you've been wounded doesn't mean that you can't be healed. You can't be restored. You can't be brought back. See, see, there, there's a place at the table for you today. How many hear what I'm saying? There's an empty chair at the table for you. There's a place with your name on it at the table for you. You're not exiled. You're not forgotten. You're not, you're not pushed off into that place. You know, there, there, there's, the, he said, look at this. He said, you're going to eat at my table like one of my sons. Do you know that when God brings you to the table, he doesn't put you outside your family then. Come on, your sons and daughters, you come in and sit down at the table. He said, I'm going to give back everything that belonged to your grandfather. Do you know that when you come sit down at the table, God restores everything the devil ever took away from you? Every year, every relationship, every dollar, every tear, there's restoration at the table. There's family at the table there's forgiveness at the table but you got to see one thing before I go you see remember Mephibosheth was crippled his feet were lame but I want you to look at me right now when you sit down at the table of God you can't see my crippled feet you can't see where I was broken when I come to the table it covers everything that the world ever did to me if you come to the table I don't look like I ever fell down I don't look like I ever was wounded it doesn't look like I was ever crippled I want to tell you there's a place at the table for you today there's a place at the table today come on stand on your feet with me let's stand together come on let's thank God for the table come on worship team thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you for the table thank you for your mercy your grace thank you God thank you God church family right now right now right now come on connect don't 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 get in a hurry stay with me right now we're gonna close some doors that should have been closed a long time ago we're going to close some doors. The devil's had access to you. Listen to me. To your thinking, to your emotions, to your actions for too long. We're going to close those doors today in the name of Jesus.
We're going to shut those doors. The devil is never going to come get you from that place again. We're shutting the door on exile in Jesus' name. We're shutting the door of fear. We're shutting the door of shame. We're closing the door of rejection. We are saying today, I'm going back to the table. I'm putting my feet underneath the table of the king. I'm going to eat there every day for the rest of my life. No more substitutes. No more counterfeits. Do you know many of the things that, 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 that we are aligning ourselves with today? Many of the uh, identities and cultural tags that people are taking on themselves. Listen to me. They are not helping you. They are identities of your exile. But the good news is, wherever you are in exile, however long you've been there... Whatever the enemy has tried to identify you with. When I come put my feet under the table of the king. I've got a new identity. I've got a new place. I'm, I'm a child of the king. God's going to open some doors that, that you wondered would ever open for you. You know why? Listen to me. I want to help you. They've been open, but you couldn't see them. <laughs> because your head's been down. Your eyes been closed. Now, let me be straight honest with you. Okay, here's the deal. When that man came in, his legs were lame and crippled. He's on crutches. And, but it said he bowed before the king. Listen to me. You got to get all this. It wasn't easy for a lame man to bow. How am I going to get down? It wasn't easy. For some of you in this room today, some of you online today, it's not going to be easy for you to say, I'm in exile. It's not going to be easy for you to say, I've adopted the wrong identity. Because you've gathered people around you who are also broken, who've been telling you, that's just who we are. And it's not going to be easy to bow, to say, I am what you say I am. I close the doors to that. I open my doors to you. It wasn't easy, but it was necessary. It's not always easy to come to an altar, but it's necessary. It's not always easy to repent, but it's necessary. It's not always easy to say I've been wrong, but it's necessary. That's where healing comes. Salvation comes. God will meet you right there. The king lifted him up and said, come on and sit down with me. Bring us something to eat. We got a new son in the house. We've got a covenant that's going to work here. So today, let's don't delay it or put anything on it. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks or says or does. What matters is you've been too far away from the table. That you belong. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.